Welcome back to the Move Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm J.B. Hager, joined by two experts, Spencer Martin and Johan Bernil. And we're going to look at stages 16, 17, and 18 uh, of the Giro d'Italia, but more importantly, get their thoughts on the GC battle and what to expect in two really tough days uh, ahead. So we'll get into that. Uh, first, let's check in with Lance with a couple of offers from uh, uh, some of our partners. Today's show also brought to you by Ventum. This is our bike, uh, our go-to bike of choice for not just myself, but George as well. Uh, we just got our new NS1s. We were just over in Europe uh, and, and, and have been just riding constantly on the new NS1. Things a damn rocket ship. Uh, of course, uh, their gravel bike, the GS1, is also a, a gravel rocket ship. Uh, it, it, it's been amazing. Uh, there's so many bikes and so many options out there. Uh, I got to say, this one uh, ha- has really gotten my attention. And I finally converted the Diva, George, over to the Ventum. Uh, the brand is totally kicking ass. Uh, dedicated customer support to help you out at every step of the purchasing process. They're also producing great content. They'll make you inspired to ride your bike. We all need that. Check out their socials on Instagram and YouTube. It's at Ventum Racing. Special offer. Get 10% off when you use the code WEDO at checkout over at VentumRacing.com slash the move. Again, that's VentumRacing.com slash the move. Checkout code is WEDO. Gets you 10% off. Exciting news. We have a new sponsor of our show today, Caldera Lab. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin. They've created a high-performance men's skincare product line by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. You can start with the regime. That includes the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. As you know, and as you age, you start to see more fine lines. I sort of wish mine were still fine lines. They're not fine anymore. Um, But anyways, also totally committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence. Today, we have an exclusive offer for our audience so you can try for yourself why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. Get 20% off. All you got to do is head to calderalab.com slash the move. Again, that's calderalab.com slash the move. I do also want to mention this before we jump into everything. And this is a, a special offer from all of us here at We Do. If you want to get a season pass or any merch from the We Do store this Sunday, 20% off your season pass. Let me remind you, season pass gets you outcomes with Spencer and Johan. It gets you discounts on all of our merch year round, and it gets you into the member meeting prior to every show. So 20% off the cost of the season pass and all of our merch on Sunday if you want to take advantage of that, okay? And then it goes back to full price uh, leading up to the Tour de France. So guys, uh, thank you for, for, for joining us here today. I want to jump into the GC battle, which has been heated, uh, seeing Garen Thomas just totally in control of things. He's just so smooth. I don't know if that's age and experience or what, but uh, he just seems so cool. What are your thoughts on this GC battle, what you've seen in the last few days and what's ahead? And then we'll dig more into what's ahead in two very tough days. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your observations? I'll start with you, Johan. Yeah, well, um, so we saw um, Grant Thomas back in pink uh, on stage 16. Um, 
I call it, I mean, even if it's already six, stage 16, but it's actually what the Giro has been waiting for to see the real battle, uh, a really big mountain stage. Um, the stages we had before were, um, I mean, the mountain stages or so-called mountain stages were some of them true circumstances. Uh, the shortened stage on Crans Montana, for example, uh, we couldn't see that battle yet. Uh, now we start, we started to see it on stage 16 and, um, I have to say, I mean, Geraint Thomas looks, looked, and he still looks today really, really very strong. Um, his team is down to five riders, but they look really, really strong. And, um, I haven't seen at any point, uh, an indication that, uh, there's any weakness, um, with, with Geraint Thomas. He's now in the lead after the, uh, after today's stage with, um, I think 29 seconds on Roglic. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, tomorrow's most likely the hardest stage of the, the whole Giro. And then we have that famous and long awaited mountain time trial, which in my decision, in my, in my opinion, is going to de decide who wins the Giro. Uh, for the moment, it's still an open race between the top three, between Grant Thomas and Primoz Roglic and, uh, and Joe Almeida. Mm. Um, you know, we saw Roglic having a bit of problems on stage 16, uh, could defend himself pretty well. We saw the same happening to Joe Almeida uh, today. And usually, you know, the guy who is the most regular and has no weak moments wins the race. And for the moment, that's Grant Thomas. Yeah, Thomas has a, it's, it's kind of ridden a funny race because he's in first, he looks fantastic, as you said, JB. He, there's been no point where he's dropped everybody. And he dropped Roglic, but not Almeida on stage 16. Dropped Almeida, but not Roglic on stage 18. And lost actually quite a bit of time to Roglic and Almeida on stage one in the time trial. Gained time on them in stage nine. So it's been a little kind of like a shadow. It's like a lot of shadow boxing, even though we really we only have three stages left to race. Um, but if you look at the stages where Thomas has taken time on Roglic, it's only been three races, three stages. And I think we have two ahead of us where time will change hands, hands between those guys. So we're really just a little over halfway through the, through the race, in my opinion. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to any riders who feel like they've been racing for the last eight months <laughs> at this Giro. But like, I think this thing is just beginning as far as the GC picture goes. Yeah. I mean, usually, you know, I mean, you can perfectly win a grand tour without winning a stage and without being dominant. As long as you have, or you, as you're consistent, you're always there and you, your rivals at some point have a weakness. For the moment, this is what Grant Thomas is doing. At the same time, I've seen certain little things with it in, in certain stages where, um, you know, the moment he had to actually take action, uh, when Almeida attacked, days ago today when Roglic attacked and Almeida got dropped in the blink of an eye he was there where he had to be you know no not a problem at all so he, I mean it's it shows me that he has I mean he has big power that's for sure I mean already he is riding huge gears compared to his his rivals especially compared to Almeida and Roglic who are the opposite style but um I mean he looks incredibly solid um you know, if, if things keep going this way, then, then Grant Thomas should win this Giro. Um, you know, are they going to keep going this way? That's another question, right? Tomorrow 
is a very, very important stage. It's very steep at the end. And then that time trial is incredibly steep. So uh, it's, it's far from over. But for the moment, he's obviously in the driving seat and, and, and I like his chances. But, but do you know who looked strong going into stage 20 of last year's Giro? His teammate, Richard Carapaz, is actually kind of eerily similar. Where I think we had the same conversation on outcomes where like Carapaz looks fantastic. He's riding a, a, high, a bigger gear. He looks unshakable. And then it's just this, these zeros are so backloaded, like in the blink of an eye, yeah. things can just fall apart. So even though Thomas looks, I mean, we were debating in the pre-show if he's stronger now than when he won, won the tour in 2018, I think he might be, this might be the best Garrett Thomas we've ever seen. It's, I wouldn't, I would not call it for him yet at this point. Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, you know, the, the, the advantage for Roglic, for example, is that um, he had this weaker moment on stage 16. Um, as I said, you know, could decently defend his position. Uh, but now it's a turnaround. You know, I mean, I think everybody was kind of expecting that this tendons would keep going, you know, that he would slowly be a little bit weaker. Today, he turned things around, not compared to Thomas, but, you know, he got, he jumped over Almeida in the GC. And uh, I think mentally, this must be an incredible boost for him and for the team. You know, the doubts are gone. You know, Roglic is back on, 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 on good form. So um, tomorrow Roglic is going to attack for sure. For sure. Uh, the question is, okay, can he shake? Can he shake Grant Thomas? You know, for the moment, it doesn't look like it. But, uh, you know, every day is different. Yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, I, I don't think I really saw like a hard, hard attack coming from Roglic. It was a lot of pacing, mm -hmm. right? And I, I, even today I was, and we're going to jump around here a little bit, but today I just wanted to see Roglic attack, just <laughs> put it down. But he was, the pace was so high. It was so on the limit. That's, it just. That's the thing, JB, you know, and we are, we're expecting attacks, but you know, I mean, they can't attack. They can just accelerate a tiny bit, you know, because there's so many, I mean, look, the, 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 the proof is, you know, you have Grant Thomas in the lead and his two last guys, Aronsman and the plus, they're in the top 10. So, I mean, independently whether you think that's a good idea or not, but they are on an incredibly high level. You know, that means that the guys who are in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh and eighth, I mean, it's not, there's not so much they can do because their pace is more their maximum pace is more or less the pace of the two guys who are doing the job before Geraint Thomas. So, you know, you can't have attacks really. You can have small accelerations. Uh, and, and nowadays these guys, you know, they know their limits so well. You know, even, even if you see that a guy's getting dropped, they're not losing that much time. They know exactly when they have to back off a little bit and then they can ride just at that threshold and they lose 25, 30 seconds maximum. You know, you don't see these losses anymore of minutes like we were used to see in the past when somebody cracked. No, well, I, I would say, yeah, to build on what you said, Johan, to, if you really just want to attack on a stage like today, really the only reason you should do it is if you have a teammate up the road, it's a descent or a false flat attack to get up to that teammate, leave your, you know, your rival alone, and then you like have a, a real advantage, a tangible advantage. 
I don't, I think we're kind of past the days of at least on stages that are as quote unquote easy as today's mountain stage was and as fast as it is. I, I don't think you can attack to get away from, I mean, Roglic and Thomas were both so good. They couldn't drop each other. It just wasn't going to happen yeah. on a steep slope. Yeah, but also, you know, if you see if you see the differences then with uh, with other riders, um, you know, for 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 example, if you see uh, in like in today's stage, for example, no, in in yeah, in today's stage, one second, um, you have uh, so you have Roglic and Thomas, then Almeida, Eddie Dunbar is is super close. Right, he is, and, and then uh, Sepkus is still there, who's in theory the helper. He is, uh, he's thirty seconds behind the, his, his leaders, you know. Um, and then Caruso and and Kemna and Van Wilder, they're they're not minutes behind. They are forty five seconds behind, and they are getting dropped already with three four k to go. So uh, it's 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 all very tight. And that's what's, I think that's what we're going to see until the time trial. Do you think, uh, and this is something that, that Johan brought up, this is not my thought, but this is a good time to bring it up. Do you think that we're seeing that, that control and the not panicking and not cracking and managing themselves because we've got some very mature riders? We've been talking about youth for some time now, for several years, these 21, 22, 23-year-old guys crushing it. And here we have the veterans in control. And it is, it, are they better at managing those situations, those scenarios that if they're on the limit, I'm not going to panic, I'm going to manage it from experience? It's obviously a combination of, you know, I mean, you, you, have, you have young riders who, have, who are used to just ride on data, right? Like that's their number. They've, they've grown as a cyclist this way. And obviously they can do that. There's also something called, you know, experience listening to the signals of your body and and the older riders have both you know they do they do have that experience of okay this is my limit i can feel it then if you have to actually have it in front of you also in numbers i think that's an advantage you know i mean it's like you can't just only ride on numbers because that's what what it is and you know that's what you can do you know it's like Evenepoel said, you know, I had the numbers there in the time trial and then I, I couldn't push them anymore, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we have, we, we've been talking about, you know, the young wave of riders, uh, you know, all these young guys. And, and then in contrast, you have, if you look at the top five, you know, you have a guy of 37 years old in the lead, Geraint Thomas, a guy of 33 years old. Primoz Roglic in second, and a guy of 35 years old, Damiana Caruso, in fifth, right? So, um, I mean, it's kind of nice to see that the old guys still can still do it also. I think something that may contribute to this is probably the toughness of this Giro. You know, I mean, if you would, if you would go around right now in the Giro and ask, you know, hey, how, how do you feel? How's your, your energy? They're all on their knees. Everybody. <laughs> uh, they've been they've been suffering. A yeah, lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's been really hard on them. Really hard on them. Um, so you know that may be an explanation why these older guys are still up there. Um, but man, I mean, I have to say though, Geraint Thomas, what a ride! You know, wh whether he wins this Giro or not, this is this is incredible what he's showing, and the, you know the calmness. Um, with which he's racing and and even after the finish you know his 
his explanations and his interviews. I mean, it's very smooth. That's all for what he's doing. Yeah, did did uh, refresh my memory. I mean, we do so many shows over time, and you guys talk more on outcomes, which I don't catch all of those. Uh, did you guys foresee this with Garen Thomas for this Giro? No, I did not. Um, I did not, um, especially because during the season we hadn't seen anything from Grant Thomas yet that would indicate that he was on that form. I mean, his last race before the Giro was the Tour of the Alps, um, won by Theo Gegenhardt, uh, was in amazing shape, and Grant Thomas was doing the work there. Uh, but he was not the last guy doing the work. He was the, the, you know, there was still two riders. I think it was Sivakov and someone else. I don't remember who it was. Uh, who were actually, so Grant Thomas was like the fourth guy in, in the train of controlling the race. So obviously, you know, I mean, he's planned this perfectly. He's grown during this, this Giro. And I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, his, his stats are there, you know, first, second, and third in the, in the tour. There's nobody who, uh, who, who gets those, those results by coincidence, you know? I mean, I thought he looked terrible at Alps. I think I said, this guy, don't even consider this guy. This guy looks awful. And Johan might have said, oh, I don't maybe trust Garrett Thomas because he's done this before. But I was not high on him. I didn't see this coming. I mean, this is, yeah. it's ridiculous. He's 37 and he's, he looks unbelievable. I, I mean, I think we could say he's stronger than when he finished third at the tour last year, which was a really good result. Showed us that he's still capable of, these type of rides, so he shouldn't be completely blown away. But I think he's improved even since then. Well, he he says himself that he still feels like he's improving today after the after the stage. He said, "You know, I'm I feel great. I'm uh, you know I feel I still like to do this, and I feel like I'm still improving." I I would believe him. He looks like it. I mean, it also he's a weird rider too because. Maybe he doesn't have a history of great success over time at these races, but he was working for Froome for a lot of those years and he crashed a lot. I mean, a lot of these year Italias he just crashed out of. So maybe we view Thomas in a different light if he doesn't crash out of those. And now we're just seeing the potentials that he has always had. He just hasn't been able to show because he's been crashing. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's definitely riding safely. Um, you know, very, I mean, never got in trouble, never got in. And any, I mean, he, yeah, he went down once. He went down together with Theo Gegenhardt, actually. So, also shows you have to have a little bit of luck, right? But listen, I mean, the guys are in good shape. Sometimes they force their luck in bike races, you know. Again, I, I apologize for jumping around a little bit, but somebody else that's looking good, and we're throwing a bone to our American audience here. Uh, and we do realize we have a global audience, but Sepp Kuss has become quite a star <laughs> in American cycling. And he just looks like he's out for a training ride. Like, I don't see any stress on that kid's face. Uh, he'll he'll do his work and launch Roglic and, Roglic, and then he's right back in it from time to time. Um, and uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of dialogue going around on socials. People want Sepkus to to ride for himself, but he is the perfect, perfect mountain domestique right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, what do you think, Spencer? I would refer those people to the 2021 spring season when they uh, they tried to have him ride for himself. It did not pan out well at all. So 
they've tried. I think what people forget is like he looks amazing. Stage sixteen, when as you said, JB, he'll do his work. He'll he'll kind of float. Like Roglic will attack someone, attacks, he floats and he fights back on. It's really impressive that he does that. Then he can offer more work. Same thing today. Like he was setting pace, dropped Almeida, which is really impressive. Roglic attacks, realizes he's not going to drop Thomas. Kuz comes back to the front. Like that's unbelievable. But you have to remember, he's not going to the line. Like Roglic crosses the finish line by himself. So Kuz's finish line is a, a kilometer out, 1.5 kilometers out. So he he's riding to a closer finish line. So it can give the appearance that, oh, this guy is stronger than Primoz Roglic. But it's like, well, if he was stronger, he would just be pulling him over the finish line then. But he's getting to drop earlier than than his leader. Yeah, you know, I mean, okay, you know, you have to be an incredibly good rider to do what Sepp Kuz does. I mean, there's, there's, there are three guys in the world who can do this right now, maximum, you know? Sometimes even a leader who's not the leader for a specific race would not be able to do what Sepp Kuz does. It's, but it's a completely different mindset, you know? I mean, uh, Sepp Kuz obviously started this Giro uh, knowing that he was not going to be the leader, that he was not going to go for GC. And um, he had already identified for sure the stages where he has to be at the top of his game, which are stage 16, uh, 18, and 19. Those are the three stages that are the hardest and that, you know, if everything goes okay, and probably they were expecting that Roglic would be in the lead, he has to be really, really good. So um, Roglic has to be there from stage one, right? And then in stage two and three, and always be in the front, always make sure you don't lose time. The effort, the physical effort, the mental, the, the focus, the stress it brings with you. So, um, you know, not, I don't want to take anything away from, from Sepp Kuss's performance. It's, it's incredible, you know, but it, it is completely different. It's completely different. They, these guys, you can see that once they get into their 10 kilometer zone of, 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 the, of that particular stage, they get into the focus and you can see them changing. It's like all of a sudden you can see this focus on their face and they just go, you know? And sometimes they are feeling so good and they are, they are making other people suffer so much. They obviously then they hear in their radio, Hey, come on, you know, keep going for another 200 meters. This guy's dropped and this guy's dropped. And, you know, and then you hear that and, it, and then they just start to fly basically because they say, wow, you know, I'm suffering like hell, but I'm making this, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping these people. So sometimes they can go for another kilometer and a, a kilometer and a half more than they would have planned for. Um, and I think Sepkus does this, you know, I mean, it's, it's really impressive to see that he does this tempo for Roglic. Then, Roglic attacks, um, Thomas follows, and 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 Tepkus basically hangs on then with Almeida, <laughs> you know. And yeah, you normally you would normally think they just fall off. Yeah, Don, Adon soft yeah. metal as slow as we can to get to the finish line. Well, in this case here, I mean that's that that also shows you that Tepkus has come to maturity. You know, he knew that when Roglic went, there was still a possibility that Almeida would come back because there was a slight little downhill. And, and so he basically tried to stay with Almeida and made it back and could still do another bit of work for, uh, for his leader. So, I mean, 
Listen, what he showed uh, on stage 16, basically nursing Roglic to close to the finish and today uh, preparing that attack, that was impressive, I have to say. Um, the same actually goes today for a, a rider like Jay Vine. You know, Jay Vine did the same job as Sepp Kuz did the other day for Joe Almeida, who this time he had trouble following and Jay Vine was there and uh, he, he stayed with him as long as he could, you know. Uh, so, I mean, there's, it's a, it takes a special breed of rider to do these kind of things. You know, it, it comes to mind to me that it's like, oh, maybe he gets free reign, obviously, to do whatever he wants on Saturday in this mountain time trial. But he'll be so cooked from the two previous days. Yeah, right? He's not doing anything. <laughs> he got nothing left in the tank, right? Okay, let's let's spend a little bit of time on stage 17, which was another sprint stage sprinkled in there. Uh, I, again, I think it's wild when there's a name that we have never talked about on the show, and then we talk about it a lot. And that is Jonathan Milan with his exceptional speed, not the win, but exceptional speed. Like as soon as he figures out a little bit more of when to go, wow, he's incredible. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, you know, also you have to see, you know, obviously the Bahrain came to the Giro with uh, probably some kind of ambition for Milan because I personally don't think that it was a surprise for the team nor for him. Uh, more so for us, uh, but their main goal was Caruso and the podium, right? Uh, so obviously the, the team is composed differently. Um, if this guy has three, four riders around him to protect him and bring him in good position, ideally a guy who can do the lead out, then <laughs> it's going to be another story. But I was saying today on, on La Movida, you know, I mean, that, that, whether he wins or not, right? See, so he won a stage. He's been second a few times, very close. Uh, but if you see this image from the front and you see him coming, the power that comes through those images is is just. And I said, you know, the the Chiclamino jersey. In this case, it's a shame it's not the green jersey because you you could easily call him the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> he's so big and so impressive when he comes towards the the finish line. It's, I mean. Uh, it's it's a special a special rider. I mean, he's super strong, huge power, and you know when he figures out the uh, the sprinting, um, uh, that's that's that's. I mean, Italy needs a rider like that. You know, it's we've talked a lot about uh, the absence of Italian stars. Uh, he's one of the next Italian stars. Yeah, we'll get to another Italian star in a second. But I was just looking. Uh... Uh, Milan is only 22 years old and it looks like his contract is up at the end of this year. So <laughs> he's in good shape. But can we, right? he's going to, should we say where he's going? Or is that confident? Is that, he's going to track. Yeah, he's going to track and it's going to okay. be, I would assume a much better situation. Is that public no. info or some intel that it, you guys have? It, it's <laughs> kind of public. Uh, it's not confirmed. So it's still classified as a rumor. I personally didn't have any confirmation of it either, but I can perfectly see him going to Trek. You know, Trek has a huge Italian influence also. You know, I mean, the, the GM, the general manager, Luca Guercirena is Italian. There's a lot of Italian staff on on the team. They, they, their co-sponsor, big co-sponsor, Segafredo, is Italian, right? So uh, I can perfectly see that happening. And I think that would be a good team for him. 
mean, he's gotten five top two finishes at this race. That's <laughs> pretty impressive. Unfortunately, just one of them is a win. So mm-hmm. they'll, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, in his first grand tour, you have to consider that a success, even though you could nitpick his positioning, probably but bone he's, a few. And he's going to win the Chiclamino for sure. Yeah. So unless he has to abandon. Um, so he's a good, and he's a good, good climber too. He's not just like a big old Hulk that can only sprint. I mean, I'm thinking of like a Marcel Kittle mm-hmm. and can't get over climbs. I mean, the guy can climb. Like, so oh, yeah. he can, he has no problem getting over them. That's for sure. Yeah. He could be a points Jersey contender for, for quite a while. Well, we didn't see that one coming either. Did we, you know, we were all, <laughs> when we talked in our pre-show, uh, it was, you know, for the, the points jersey, it was done deal between Mats Pedersen and Michael Matthews, we said, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably could have made a bit of money had we put some money on Jonathan Milan. <laughs> Should we talk about the... Well, okay, so we were talking about Italy being in a slump. I'm looking at the top five of yesterday's stage. Alberto Danese wins, Italian. Jonathan Milan, second, Italian. Michael Matthews, third, Australian. Nicolo Bonifazio, fourth, Italian. Simone... Simone Cosari, Conosoni, fifth Sony. Italian. That's four out of the top five in a stage. It's pretty impressive. And you still have seventh Pasqualone and yeah. ninth Dani. So five guys, one, two, three, four, five, six guys in the top nine. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, that's obviously super nice in that stage, but it it's not it's not a reflection of reality of Italian cycling. You know, it's it's. It's actually contradictory to see that this this race, the Giro, you know, such a prestigious race. Um, there's no Italian teams, no World Tour teams. You know, they they obviously invited some Italian um, pro teams, but there's not not a top level team, and there is one Italian rider in the top twenty in the general classification in fifth place. And he's 35 years old. That's not, that doesn't look very promising. Yeah, the depth is still there. A lot of talent, but the superstar, it, it, yeah. I, I don't quite know. I mean, what's your, what's your theory on this, Johan? Like, what's going on? Well, obviously, you know, teams. First of all, teams. You know, I mean, you have to, you have, to have teams. It's, it's just, in Spain, for example, is the same. You know, Spain, uh, I've known, I've known, uh, Actually, I saw a stat, uh, Giro, Giro 1995 or something. There were 11 Italian teams at the start. 11 Italian teams in the Giro. Now there's none. I've seen the same here in Spain, you know, that at some point when I was racing, there was nine Spanish really good teams. Now there's one. There's Movistar. You know, obviously, you know, Italy and Spain are two countries that, you know, they have suffered economically in the last 10, 15 years heavily. Uh, you know, the economy is, is, has not been great. So obviously Italian and Spanish companies uh, have felt that and, you know, the, the money, the, the resources are just not there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like if the, if the most important company in your country is a telco, it's like never a fantastic sign of like a vibrant economy. And that's like Movistar sponsors 
the biggest team in Spain, or it's not exactly what you want to see. It's actually hard to think of an Italian multinational firm yeah. that would sponsor a team. I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Hey, before we jump into a, a little bit on stage 18 and another Italian story that's good, uh, let's just take a second real, here real quick and check in with Lance with uh, one of our partners. Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens, gosh, been a couple years now. I really wanted better gut health, more energy, and I kind of hated taking pills and vitamins. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. So what is this stuff? 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off just right, all for less than three bucks a day. It's really about taking control of your health. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Let's make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your free first purchase. All you got to do is head to athleticgreens.com slash the move. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash the move. Okay, stage 18. Again, a big day for uh, Italy again. But I got to admit, I was sitting there going, just let Thibaut Pino get the win. Just let's just get this over with. It's his last season. <laughs> he's throwing it all out there. We know he's an emotionally guy. This is very important to him. Uh, but it just, it almost happened. Man, it was close. Uh, but didn't come together. What were your, uh, what was your, your thoughts on that finale today? <laughs> so, you one picked Pino in outcomes yesterday. Pino in outcomes yesterday, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I was just downtown. I was running around in a suit, just was frazzled. I didn't actually put the bed in. So I wake up this morning, I see Filippo Zana in a break with Pino. And I'm thinking, oh, I can still live bet. I'll just bet on Pino. I'm thinking, wait a second. Pino's going for GC. So he's going to drive this break. He's going for the mountains jersey. So he's going to sprint at the top of every climb for the mountains points. And this man, he's like 33 years old. He's never going to learn his lesson. He's going to lead out the final kilometer. This is what he does. Like he pushes too hard on the last climb and delivers someone else the win. It's it's actually gotten worse as he's gotten older. He wins less and less and gets pickpocketed by younger riders who are, I guess, not smarter, but wiser in the ways of racing than he is. And so I actually put money on Zana halfway through the race. And wow. my concerns proved to be true at the end of the race. I mean, just seemed like he was trying to do too much. Uh, it's always really hard to go for the KOM points and win a stage. And it's also hard to do that if you're driving the pace to for GC. I mean, he just let out Zana in that final clock. Well, if you look, if you look at if you look at the last three kilometers, uh Zana did collaborate. Okay. So I mean, he at no point was he in trouble. So I think there already, I mean, Pinot attacked two or three times, not seven or eight times like the last time. But he should have known already there. He should have felt already, okay, this guy's going to be tough to beat. You know, I'm not going to drop him. Uh, if you look at the last three kilometers, it's Pino did probably 70% of the work and Zana 30. So already there, I mean, even if it's uphill. Uh, plus, this guy was the, the, the local of the stage. He is from that area. Uh, you know, he's doing a great... And also, I think one of the things that I don't know if Pino does that or not. There are riders who there are riders who do. 
other artists who don't. But let's not forget, Filippo Zana has been amazing in this Giro. You know, already on stage three, if you remember stage three, the stage that Michael Matthews won, he was one of the guys who basically eliminated half of the peloton on the on the second to last climb, then came back and then even was there until the very end to prepare the, the, the lead out for Michael Matthews. So that's stage three. We're now two weeks later. He's been already in different and other breaks. He was in the breakaway. And I think even he was second, I don't remember, or third when Ben Healy won. He was in that breakaway. Uh, that was also in the first week. And, you know, he's been in several other breakaways. So obviously this is a guy who, you know, who is having an amazing Giro. And, uh, you know, when you're with two guys, you need to, you need to, he must have felt that this guy was not on the limit. I mean, so, um, I, I don't know. I mean, and then on top of that, he's on, he's on the lead and he starts the sprint, you know, being it slightly uphill and, you know, probably a little bit too early. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, it's, you know, Thibaut Pinot, obviously great rider, you know, otherwise you can't finish second in the Tour de France at some point in your career. Um, but way too emotional, in my opinion, uh, in, in making the decisions when he was, when he's racing and, you know, I mean, he didn't win that many races, you know, he's compared to his qualities, uh, you know, obviously as a French rider, you don't need to win that many races. If you're a lot of times second, you can make a great career out of that. You know, that was Raymond better Poulidor, for you. Raymond Poulidor. He was known to be always the loser, you know, always almost won, right? Um, which which would be a better if if Pino focused on one thing instead of three? Which would be a better to go home with from this Giro? A stage win, top ten, or mountains jersey? It's a good question. I think stage win would be better. I don't, but I don't know. I mean, mountains jersey is not bad, you know. Yeah, he's and he's probably going to finish top ten too. So. Listen, I mean, it's his last year. Uh, a lot of people with a lot of people and a lot of teams would gladly sign for a top 10 plus the mountains jersey, right? Yeah. But here's the irony of, of his ride today. He did so well and gained so much time. I don't think he can go on the breakaway tomorrow mm. and get the KON points. So he could have mm. jeopardized his KON jersey no. by getting so many points. That you don't think so? Well, there's only one guy who can, what's the KOM? Well, so the only one really mathematically in it is Ben Healy. And so the question is, is Ben Healy shot or not? He is cooked. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to claim, I'm going to reclaim some of my criticism from the beginning. <laughs> He's not I'm even joking. begun I'm to pee. He's not even begun to get in shape. I'm, I'm joking. He's... I'm joking. But, you know, obviously it's clear that, you know, Ben Healy, uh, you know, young rider, first big tour. He's been extremely generous in his efforts and his attacks. Uh, it's over, you know. I mean, the, the 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 there's no more fuel in the tank. It's it's as simple as that. Um, watch him be in the breakaway tomorrow, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll no, be no, watching I mean, for that. From what you see, from what you've seen, he, the other day he was in the breakaway, and uh, when when these guys, when these four riders went up up the road, he he didn't have an answer. Today. Uh, he was he was he was dropped like big time, um, so no, I think Ben Healy. Uh, that's that's it. Uh, 
listen, if Ben Healy is in there, then Pinot is going to be in there for sure. Whether he's, you know, even if it's just to take points on the first climb, right? Then he can, you know. Yeah, yeah. But Johan, what is what is he hearing? What is Pino hearing from the car on a stage like today? And are, like Zana looked, you could just tell on TV. I mean, this guy is a stud. He's been a stud the whole race. He didn't look under pressure at any point. I, I maybe would have told him to to back off, let Zana work a little bit. It's yeah. weird he's not getting any info like that. So we're just ignoring it. I mean, you know, this that's just his way of racing. You know, I mean, I mean, if it's Mark Madio in the car, I know what he's hearing. There's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming going on, and but he's not in the car. Um, so, I mean, in a rider like Pinot, you know, it's anti-natural for him. That's just the way he races. Um, he wanted to drop him. He didn't want to go. I, I, I just yeah, think, yeah. I just think yeah. that, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he, he can't race differently. He can't, you know? Uh, if, I think if you would ask Pinot if he thinks he's done too much, he will say no. He will say no. He will, he'll say, I, I did the minimum. Hmm. You know? While we're talking breakaways, I know you guys wanted to spend a little time giving some love to Derek G. <laughs> the, right? I'll start with you, Spencer. I mean, this guy is like the revelation of the, the of the Giro. I, I let's just assume Garrett Thomas wins. Great win for Garrett Thomas, but we already knew about Garrett Thomas. Same thing with Primoz Roglic. Derek G. I don't think the all actually the only reason I knew that he was a professional rider is because he was in the breakaway at Pere Roubaix and his wheel came off his rim or his tire came off his wheel. If you remember this in the Armbrick Forest, the liquids, uh, yeah, out of it. exactly. And I was like, oh, this poor Canadian last we'll ever see of him, <laughs> but clearly he he worked his way into that break, so he's strong. I mean, he's been what does he have, Johan? Here, I'll pull it up. He has well, he has three four. Three seconds, three seconds and two fourths. <laughs> yeah. And he's been in the breakaway one, two, three, four, five, six times. Yeah. I and mean, that's really hard to do. And your first grand tour and it's his first year as a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, his mentality is, is really, is the most impressive thing to me. I mean, he's just, he's down to get in the break every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he said clearly in his interview after the race, you know, that he's dead, you know, he doesn't have any, any power left anymore, but Yet he was somehow in the break. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's obviously it's cement. Um, you know, if if you're if you're still want to race in the last week, and you have something left, you can be in the breakaway. Now that's a whole different thing than staying in that breakaway and finishing fourth on this on these on these climbs. You know, that's that's what impresses me the most about this rider. Um, Obviously, discovery. I think the first surprised and discovering himself is Derek G himself. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, impressive performance, and also from what I hear, amazing attitude. Uh, you know, like um, he he did Paris Roubaix for the first time this year, uh, and, and Dirk, Dirk Demol told me this. He's he's one of the directors there, and they uh, Dirk told me the story. They did go in the recon. And he was just like a kid, you know, like, wow, this is great. You know, like <laughs> seeing those, those, uh, couple sections. And then, you know, he, uh, he had this, this incident. So he was in a break, he was in the break, right. In Parirobe. That's already not easy if it's your first time. Um, but then 
he did not quit and he, f- he finished that last, 135th in Paris-Roubaix, but he made it to the finish in the time limit. Mm. So I think it says a lot about his attitude, you know? Okay, and let's, uh, let's spend a little time on what to expect tomorrow. This is going to be a brutal stage. Um, I know we'll start with you, Johan, because I know you have some stats on what the the steepness, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the severity of this uh, and what to expect. Let me know what you think we could expect tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, this is 183 kilometers. It's, again, plus 5,000 meters of climbing. It's, I mean, it's crazy. There's two, two second category climbs and three first category climbs. Um, the Paso Jiao. Uh, that's where we will start to see the, the, you know, the attacks. That's, it's hard. Paso Jiao. Did you do that one, Spencer? Yeah. When uh, yeah. There? I like so, mini recon this course and then didn't do the last climb because it was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really hard <laughs> stage. Yeah. So Paso Jiao is known to be a really, really, it's like, I mean, roughly, uh, I could say you could say 10 kilometers, 10%. That's, <laughs> um, or nine and a half kilometers, 9.8% or something like that. Uh, but then Frecimi di Lavaredo is, is brutal. You know, it's so basically it's on here and here on the, on the, on the profile, they say it's, it's six or seven kilometers, uh, but it's actually 21 kilometers. It's the second cavalry climb. There's a little downhill, not much. And then you go up again and the last three and a half kilometers are an average of over 12% with certain parts of 16, 17%. So um, it's going to be very hard. Uh, add to the fact that, you know, part of being such a, a hard stage, but the three biggest climbs, the three hardest climbs are above 2,000 meters, which is different, different racing, you know. Uh, less oxygen. We could see, this is this is the stage, basically. It's the hardest stage of the whole Giro. And... Uh, you know, at altitude, we can sometimes see, have surprises, you know? I, I don't I expect it's tomorrow. It would be the hardest stage of the season across any race. When we consider the altitude, I mean, 2,300 meters is when it finish, is where it finishes. That's You're getting up to, to Aspen level. Um, you don't see high altitudes like that that often in European racing. And then just the attrition through the whole stage. And what they've been through with this. Yeah, what they've been through. And then the it just the final climb's terrible because it gets harder and harder and harder the closer to the finish you get. So you could see some surprising stuff happen. We should I don't think we mentioned this. We should say stage sixteen, Joao Almeida won, uh, dropped Primus Roglic, out sprinted Garrett Thomas. I was, you know, if I wouldn't have watched today's stage where he was dropped, I would have said, Oh yeah, Joao Almeida is gonna attack and do amazing here. Now I'm not so confident about that, but Mm. I think you're gonna see one of the big three really just come unglued and this giro has been so weird we don't know who it is i think i think this this stage is for roglic tomorrow mm. um when it's steep like that i mean obviously you know i mean it it, it depends thomas if thomas can follow can follow uh roglic then he, thomas might beat him uh because roglic will still want to make make up time on i mean he still want to take time on 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 Almeida. Almeida, in theory, uh, you know, from what we know of him, this is not his favorite terrain, the steep climbs. You know, he's a bit, he's a bit better at lesser, lesser steep slopes, but, you know, 
at this point in the race, it's just, you know, whatever you have left in the legs. Um, I think it's definitely GC stage tomorrow. Um, we, we're going to talk about it in, uh, in our other podcast and outcomes in a little bit, Spencer. Um, but yeah, I mean, very, very difficult stage. There's going to be a breakaway and then it's going to depend on, um, on Jumbo Visma, basically, I think, uh, they still have, you know, there are eight riders in the race. I mean, little side note, I think we should give lots and lots of credit to Jumbo Visma, how they have been able to manage the situation and turn around. I mean, they changed, they had to change five riders in the lead up to the Giro of their, from their original squad. And this shows you how deep of a team they have, right? They bring in five new riders and for stage 19, they still have their entire team uh, available and actually in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, I think their third strongest rider, Jan Trachnik, was hit by a car, right? Like yeah. the day before the race yeah. started and they just yeah, swapped him out. Broke his knee and had surgery. Yeah, they did, haven't seemed to miss a beat. I think we'll, we'll see Sepp Kuz, the guy we just talked about, and he's going to be critical on this stage. Yeah, I... We, maybe we should just quickly talk about some of the weird stuff going on at Ineos. Maybe Timon Arnsman will, will be with Thomas. I, once you get to that final climb, it's maybe it's not that important. But as we saw on stage 16 with Goose and then stage 18 with Jay Vine, it did help for those guys when they were dropped to have a teammate to pace them. Uh, what, what do you make of, of Ineos? We talked about this in the pre-show. They seem to be having three riders all riding to finish in the top 10. Do you think that's going to be a problem when they really have to put the cards on the table tomorrow? Well, I mean, listen, you know what? I mean, it looks weird. It, to me, it looks really weird, especially today when I saw Arnsman, you know, really, really, really forcing himself to get in a little group in front of him. This was on the last climb with, with four or five K to go. Uh, so, you know, he is definitely riding to be in top 10, which is strange. Um, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe, listen, maybe they want to have somebody in the break tomorrow. I mean, who knows, you know, if they have the plus or Arsman in the break tomorrow, then it puts a lot of pressure on, on Jumbo Visma and, and then their, their tactics are proven right. Right. But normally I would say at this point, you know, there's only one rider that counts. And the one thing that counts for Ineos, it's winning the Giro with Grant Thomas. He's perfectly capable of doing it. And. You know, everybody else should obviously focus on that goal. Uh, and logically, when you've done your job in a mountain, a mountain stage, then just sit up, relax and lose time. So you're, you have that little bit extra the day after. Um, now, if they sense, if the, if Arnsman or the plus is in the break tomorrow, then same as with Ben Healy, I'm going to swallow my words. I mean, that is interesting to think about them putting Arnsman or the plus in the break. On one hand, though, that's it's like awesome on paper you would like draft this up and pro cycling manager but is yumbo like is yumbo just gonna ride up ride up a brisk pace try to get Roglic the stage win because that i think they didn't do that today because thomas is so strong you know maybe he out sprints thomas or probably he out sprints thomas he gets a four second delta because let, let's just say they pulled back the break Roglic gets 10 thomas gets six tomorrow you know he could he could put four, five, six seconds of real time between himself and Thomas, just with an explosive sprint. And, 
get a 10 second time bonus, th- then you're, you're narrowing that gap a little bit more before the TT. Like, do you think they're just going to pull it back anyway for the, for the stage one? It's it, it, listen, the, the, the final is so hard that the break is already, you know, the, the, the race of attrition that happens in the, in the group of the favorites and the break getting tired, it's already going to come back automatically, I think. Um, and you know, I I don't think I don't think that right now. I mean, if Roglic wants to win the Giro, he needs to he, he needs to you know ha- do one big attack, and Thomas needs to have a weak moment. Uh, otherwise, you know, these this difference of four seconds and then another four seconds bonification, it's still not going to put him in a position of winning it. Uh, and then you know, and then listen, I mean, it's the time trial is going to be incredibly, incredibly. Uh, Height, you know, uh, I think we could, we, normally we should start, we should start the time trial with three riders within one minute, uh, after the tomorrow stage. And then basically, I mean, everybody could still win. That's what I thought well, will happen. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I wanted my, personally, I wanted to like dig in and get your predictions on tomorrow, the time trial and all that, but people should be listening to outcomes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to just do our outcome show. <laughs> I know. And you guys still are yet to do that. Sorry for my dog going crazy back here. <laughs> but uh, um, I yeah, check out outcomes. You know, if you haven't gotten your season pass, let me take a second here to remind people again that on Sunday, you can get 20% off on your season pass. That goes all year. You can get 20% off on all merch. Maybe you need a new kit, t-shirt, hoodie, or something like that. You can do that. Uh, I think I'm going to cut you guys some slack and let you go. I know you're into tomorrow probably already, Johan. <laughs> it's a long night for you. Right now it is uh, 26 minutes past midnight. Aye. And uh, we still have to do one show. So Luckily, luckily the man never sleeps. Burning the midnight oil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much, uh, Spencer, Johan. I appreciate you giving all your insight on this show. I know you got to go do outcomes, but uh, uh, the move will be back for the full Jiro recap on Sunday. Thank you very much. Thanks, JB. 